0: And welcome back to Beer and Football, a special little intro today because we have a special guest. Uh, We will get to that in a minute, but I am uh, one of your hosts, Mike, part of the Thrupple, joined by, as always, Jeff and Joe. Jeff, how are we doing
1: this week? We are doing fantastic, Mike. We are uh, cruising. We had a little snow today in the neighborhood, but uh, went away pretty quick. I got a couple rounds of golfing last weekend, probably one of the last of the season. So happy for that. Joe, you get, you get out at all this week.
2: Oh, uh, I did not get out this weekend. I'm uh tentatively playing on Friday morning. So looking forward to that. Hopefully there's some sort of possibly decent weather. Um, but you know, it's, this'll probably be the last time I get out. I uh, got a half day tomorrow work and then we got Thursday, Friday off for Thanksgiving. So it's a, uh,
1: it's a good week. And Mike, you, uh, Excited for the holidays here coming up.
0: I am. I am
1: off of work
0: this week. It feels kind of nice to take a step back and uh, kind of spend some time with with uh, with our son, just enjoying it. So it's uh, it's good. I'm I'm uh, looking forward to the week off. Um, but as we, uh, we stated, we have our first guest that we've had since Joe never left the podcast because he was technically our first guest, but yeah, he just felt like he wanted to stick around a little bit. So um, our good friend of the show, um, guy we, uh, we've played with for a long time, we coached with and uh, just an overall good guy, Andrew. Andrew, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thanks for having us, guys. I uh, appreciate you inviting me out to this world and making it 2v2. Um, it's, a, it's a good feeling to back up Jeff this week. Uh, you're
1: telling me, Andrew. Glad <laughs> to have you here. Uh,
0: Andrew is a um, a player who grew up in Scotland, and he's a Rangers fan, and he's an, unfortunately a Liverpool fan that Joe and I, so... Um, <clears throat> Andrew, why don't you die, tell us a little bit about how you became um, a Liverpool fan and like maybe your time growing up in Scotland and, and uh, your background in football.
3: Yeah, um, I moved to the United States when I was 18 and had a different accent when I moved here. So uh, I wanted to culturize myself to the American lifestyle. So I started speaking American, um, but uh, came here for soccer or what you guys call soccer, but we call football. So in my city of Glasgow, um, there's really only two teams. It's Rangers or Celtics. And, you know, my dad was a avid Rangers fan. Um, He seasoned tickets, never missed a game, saved every program. Um, And likewise, every time Rangers were not playing, he was heading down to Anfield. So um, I'm very lucky. I grew up in a golden age um, when Scottish football was in its prime. Uh, so I was very lucky to support a winning team for the first, you know, 10 years of my life. Um, and, you know, just followed Rangers through Europe and um, followed Liverpool through Europe with my dad, too. Uh, he brought s- football to my attention at a very young age. I think I was wearing Liverpool jerseys and Rangers jerseys since I could, you know, crawl. Um, but yeah, the the diehard family part of Rangers is, you know, I live and breathe it every day. And you know, when it comes to Liverpool and Rangers games at the same time, I, I try to have them side by side, but uh, my first love is Rangers. And that's, that's based on my city. Um, and, you know, as, as you guys know, Jeff texts me every old firm game, it's, you know, it's a, it's a big deal when those two play each other. So i um, lucky enough to, you know, been, I played against Rangers when I was a youth and I was lucky enough to go down and see games at uh, Anfield and, uh, Visit Liverpool a couple of times in the past, so yeah, I'm proud. Proud to know that I've had a lot of successes, which has been good.
1: Yeah, it always, uh, it always is a little brings a little jealousy to me, uh, Andrew. When whenever I hear your exploits uh, <clears throat> over the pond, it's it's I live through you, I should say. Um, so. Glad to have you on the on on the podcast, and definitely glad to have you on our side. You've you've kind of introduced me a little bit to the to the Scottish game, and and like you said, I have paid a little bit more attention to the the league and uh, keep an eye on things. And, and the Rangers seem to be flying high um, since Mister Mister Stephen Gerrard came in and kind of taking them to the next level. It seems.
3: Yeah, they um so stevie stevie took over a couple years ago now and fresh out of the liverpool academy slot and um i was lucky enough to meet steven last year and a bunch of the rangers players too and um you know i think that his influence on the club um those that don't know i mean england and, and scotland are not the best of friends but you know we know that the english game is is the best and one of the best in the world so um you know, we thrive when Steven Jared was announced as a coach. We literally celebrated like Scotland won a World Cup. Like even Celtic fans were saying this is great for the game um, because, you know, at that time, Brendan Rodgers was coaching Celtic. So um, it has just been a remarkable thing because we we're built on academy. We we're built on the youth. And Stephen Jared really focuses on that. But uh, I think he the, the Rangers fans really enjoy his honesty with we're playing great. He says we're doing okay. If we if we play awful, he says it's the worst game, and we're going to sort it out. So, you know, the Rangers fans really enjoy him as a coach. And again, it's soon as Stephen imagine as an academy player seeing Stephen Gerrard walk by, and you're at U16 at the training facility. Um, you know, some of our center mids have just absolutely flourished in his environment.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. Um, so you got Gerard coming through and, and really bring in a, a winning mentality through. And, and I think I don't, I, I'm not as in it as you are. Like I said, I've just started to dabble. But I did want to dedicate my beer this week for the podcast to the Ranger. Um, not just the Rangers, but uh, our next topic as well is, the, um, is Scotland in general uh, with the Nation, Nations League. Uh, I went with a barrel-aged scotch ale that uh, is from Co- Goose Island. It's the Cooper Project. Goose Island has is, uh, got a big week coming up on um, Friday. They're releasing their bourbon barrel-aged stouts like they normally do on Black Friday. But this particular one is a, a bourbon barrel scotch ale. I'm sorry, a, a barrel-aged scotch ale. So it's not just bourbon barrels, but it's the Cooper Project, which is a bit more on the scotch side. So. This one is uh, to the Scottish in me, and um, I raised my glass to to, to that nation. Um, You got anything else you wanted to add with the Rangers? Uh, I know that they're flying high. They're sitting at the top of the league. Um, Not yet to lose, are they?
3: Yeah, 21 games unbeaten. And, I mean, we've came up. We played Celtic a couple of weeks ago, 1-2-0 um beat uh tied Benfica last week we played them this week is on Thursday in Europa League um which is a huge money maker for us when we can't have crowds in we're used to 50,000 plus um so you know getting that money from Europa is huge but yeah 21 games unbeaten um and I mean we had to go through Galatasaray, Standard Liège, uh, William Trois, and obviously Celtic so a uh, big win this weekend against Aberdeen 4-0. Um, It's a comfortable win for us, but flying high, but uh, this happened last year and after Christmas, it kind of crumbled. So as I said, that um, it's really important that Steven Jarrett can, has that professionalism um, that he's shown so far that next game is the most important, but yeah, it's been, it's been great. Our the, the really nice thing to see with Rangers is the goals are spread around. And, you know, I'm sure that was the great thing about Liverpool last year is that, you know, we didn't have this main striker that scored 50 goals a year. Um, so Alfredo Morales has been not failing, uh, not uh, shooting on all cylinders, but, you know, Ryan Kent from a Liverpool Academy product, he's banged in a lot of goals um, and, you know, we're adding great strength. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been great watching it. Um Still, it's I've been here before, so it's one of those moments that I'm just a uh, little tempered. May. Yeah, until May, it's not over. So, but yeah, it's been great. And, uh, the last time we saw a loss was, uh, you know, back in January of last year or something. So it's pretty cool to see that. Yeah, it was. It was interesting to see that uh, the success
1: that Celtic and Rangers have been having, not only domestically but Europe in Europe, um, has really kind of catapulted their, their league so that I think they're
3: going to be getting two champions league spots going forward. Yeah. So the coefficients really uh, interesting thing. So basically a coefficient in Europe is everybody that qualifies for European competition gets points based on wins, ties, uh standard of opponent. Um, so when Steven Gerrard took over, we lost in the first round of the Europa league to, um, a team called uh, Nidogrand from like Lithuania or something like that. Um, So we dropped hugely out of that. So we only actually had one qualifying spot. Um, So basically the top 12 qualify for Champions League. Um, So your top five coefficients will be England, Italy, Spain, Germany. Um, They get the automatic berths. But because we got the 12th seed um, based on wins, because Rangers got to the quarterfinals and so did Celtic last year. Um, That bumps us into the Champions League for next year. So it's huge. The money difference in that is, you know, uh, astronomical in regards to if you get into the group stage. So you go from $100,000 a point to a million dollars a point. So the coefficient is really great. So Rangers jumped up there and with Celtic. But uh, so in Europe, we kind of we don't say we support each other. But in Europe, we want all Scottish teams to do well. Uh, then the coefficient goes higher. So, yeah, we've guaranteed that coefficient point. So we get two Champions League spots. And if Rangers happen to get to the semifinal, I believe, or Celtic, uh, we would actually get one automatically bumped in if we get in the top 10, which would be nice. Yeah, so big things coming out of Scotland. Um,
1: So not only that, but so the club's teams are having success in Europe, but – Looks like the whole national team is uh, is flying high.
3: Uh, 22 years of saying I'm American. Um, you know, That's it was not too good uh, either.
0: Sometimes either.
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm only American for World Cups because we haven't made one of them since '98. Um, but yeah, it's uh, been twenty two years since we made a, a major event. So France '98. I was actually at the Brazil Scotland game in in Paris. So you know, the last time we were at the World Cup was you know, 98 in the last Euro we were at were 96 in England. So, you know, it's been a long wait and it was an anxious one. You know, we scraped through a 1-0 win over Israel. This has been our nemesis lately. They uh, gave us a 1-0 opposite, uh, loss last week, which knocked us out of the, to win the Nations Cup for the World Cup. But it, it advances on to play Serbia in the final, which Serbia just beat Norway. So they went into overtime in, in Norway and you know, anybody that knows anything about Norwegian football right now, they're, you know, up and coming talent. So Serbia came and we went out to Serbia and went out 0 looked comfortable. Um, you know, the, I wanted to touch on that a little is just that, you know, the good thing about Scottish football now is that, you know, these young Scottish players are going out to play in England. They're going out to play elsewhere. So, you know, our game is improving based on those players going out. You know, if you look at our start and, our backup is uh, Tierney was playing left center back out of position. Uh, McTominay was playing right center back. Um, and then we had a, a center back named Gallagher that was a, um, plays in the bottom team in, in Scotland for Motherwell. So, you know, a wealth of experience. And then um, on the left wing, you had Andy Robinson, uh, which is, is a beautiful thing. Um, Andy Robinson for Liverpool, he's flying high, but, you know, we play him more in an advanced role um, from the start because we play a three-five-two. So, yeah, it's been great. It's been uh, as a Scottish as a Scottish football fan. It's been good to hear Americans actually talk about our game. You know, it's, it's it's been fun to hear everybody reach out and and congratulate us on it.
2: Yeah, we got some Liverpool players, some Arsenal players um, in this Scottish team, which is which is good for both of our clubs again. You know meaningful minutes and finding their spot on the on the field which is good for good for the club
3: game too but it's exciting to
2: see new teams kind of make their way in and
3: it's been great to see I mean look I'm I'm a purist at heart like if if we have you know players playing under Jurgen Klopp and Pep and you know all these great coaches and and um, you know it's only going to develop our national team and I, I left out Arteta there because I don't want to make Mike mad but you know if probably they're probably playing...
0: the best players ever played for Rangers I'm just
3: gonna <laughs> 100% he I still I still anytime I think of Arteta I see a celebration of his where he's just waving his hands like this when he scored the you know game winner but yeah it's it, I think the the thing that's helped the game is that Scottish clubs are no longer holding back their players they are moving them on sooner um, you know like Billy Gilmore moving to Chelsea at 16 years old um, with the F- FIFA fair play things they can't move them on until 16 if they're in the in Britain um, so you know I think it's good that they're no longer holding on to these players hoping that they're going to be first team players so you can see that in someone like Tierney that's developed at Celtic he, you know, Andy Robinson actually started at Celtic. Like, if you want to talk about the connection there, he started at Celtic and was told he was an undersized left back. Um, you know, he got pushed down to the second division and, and worked his way back up. And now when, you know, after he had that amazing season with Hull, you know, Liverpool, I mean, how many Liverpool fans knew who he was um, before we brought him into the system? So I think it's unique to the the managers now that they're no longer holding these players back, which has been great for the game.
0: And that can only help. I mean, that helps everyone on all fronts. I mean, it helps like the Scottish program and and national team by getting those players abroad and seeing a new style of play and then bringing it back and helping out their, their first team and everything. And then, I mean, it's providing a doorway for young players to, you know, find um, opportunities to play at first teams in in other countries. So, I mean, it's fantastic what we're, uh, what we're doing. I mean, um, Yeah. It's not like what we have here in the U S like we don't have those opportunities and it's a lot easier to, um, to, to kind of cross borders over in Europe. But I mean, a lot more players are going abroad and playing once they get those visas and and passports and it's, it's helping our national team here in the USA as well. I mean, it's just good to see that everyone's kind of progressing and, and getting, finding more
3: opportunities. So. Oh yeah. I mean, with the U S national team right now, I mean, they literally played two rosters, right. They had a homegrown roster for Panama and, in a european roster for wales so um you know it's it's to me i think that that only grows to the game that we love like if football grows in this country i i honestly i've been in europe and i've been here in the u.s and i believe in the u.s we have more talent in in the u.s um and unfortunately sometimes that gets pushed off to other sports but you know, the talent that U.S. roster has. Um, but you're seeing these young kids go sooner now. They're seeing them getting out and in, into Europe and in a professional environment. Um, and, you know, the developmental process is tough because, you know, Pulisic, the only reason he got spotted was because of injuries, right? I mean, he was a second-string left-back or left-wing um, and goes to a tour in Germany. And, you know, we know what happened to him. So I think the important thing for me is just the developmental factors. these clubs in Europe, they – really you know develop these kids to make them you know it's a it's a money scheme as well um they're making money off of these young players but they're developing them so they deserve that that uh, revenue from it
1: well it kind of goes hand in hand right the more you can develop the more you i mean you're not going to be able to play 30 players so if you can develop 30 you know world-class talents you're going to be able to sell half that so it only behooves them to to develop everyone you know you see that in the liverpool games or the liverpool setup lately you get Solanke they buy they picked them up and they turn around and sell them for I don't know what 10 times profit I, I don't even know how much profit they got from him but yeah. yeah yeah there's been a handful of those lately that they've just been buying these these great talents at a young age keep them for a few years get them some playing time and and then you know if if either it looks like they're not good enough for Liverpool or it looks like their development just needs to be moved on with uh, Brewster, you know, for a perfect example. I think we would have loved to keep Brewster, but you know, he wasn't going to be breaking into the team and he needed to get game time. Well, he hasn't been getting game time, but that was the the thought process at least, you know, move him on, get some money in for him, let the kid play and it's win-win for everyone.
3: Well, uh, Ryan Kent, he came on loan to Rangers last year. Um, I, I i would question anybody that knew Ryan Kent before he came on a loan spell, but obviously Stephen Jarrett coached him in the youth development. Um, you know, he came in as this flary, uh, you know, pacey, arrogant player, um, and Rangers had to pay him uh, $7 million for him. Um, so, I mean – big up to these clubs that do ship them on and don't hold on to this talent because, you know, Ryan Kent's now playing Europa League games. He's even being talked about having a small call-up to some England friendlies. Like, the development of the individual players should be key in regards to this. So, you know, it's, it's just amazing to see some of these young talent, uh, you know, you guys were talking in last week's podcast of, you know, who would have thought that we would have had two players on Barca, a player on Juventus, and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, Chelsea. It's just amazing for the football in this this nation to see these uh, young up-and-coming talents coming through.
2: Was that a little shot at Chelsea, you know, not developing, not thinking about the player, thinking about the um,
3: <laughs> Well, if you think about Chelsea, right, I mean, De Bruyne, he's a classic example of a player that, so, wow. you know, Look, I mean, we could go on, Lukaku, I mean, there's so many, um, but in regards to like De Bruyne, I'm one of the most, I mean, no one, if Arsenal wanted De Bruyne and he could come and you would take him, if Liverpool could have him, we would take him. De Bruyne was at Chelsea and, and he got shipped off to Germany and developed and grew. And, you know, I think it's uh, the big clubs, you know, that have huge, huge pools, um, you know, your Chelsea's and, and your Man City's. Um, there's a lot of talent there that, You know, is is just dying to play. Some of these young guys don't even, you know, they're coming in from different countries. They just want to play in in the big leagues. And you know, I think the Premier League developed that Premier Two, um, which gives those kids a good opportunity. But if you look at it, I mean, I think we'll all agree Germany's done it right. I mean, your German Liga Two teams are are really, you know, your uh, Bayern Munich. I think they're in the third division, and in Spain they do the same, the Barca B and stuff. But you know, I think if, if that came into the game, uh, I think it would, you would start to see a little bit more of that talent. But think about it, like a, a player like Ryan, Ryan Kent is now a seven and leads are actually being reported to look into him. Um, you know, if he's a seven million dollar player playing one year at Rangers, you know, what could what could most more of these uh, younger players that are getting shipped off to different countries? How how could that help them, you know, grow their game?
1: Yeah. It, uh, I mean, if you, if you just take a look at anything we've talked about in terms of the European side um, compared that to what we're doing in USA and, and the MLS, and and we can talk another five hours on that. Um, probably not in a whole positive way, but um, yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of talent going around. There's, you know, the business side and there's the, the talent uh, development side. So, but it is nice to see the likes of, of Liverpool picking up on um, the development of the likes of Robertson and coming in, and, and Robertson ended up having a, a pretty decent game this weekend, too. Um, he was providing his general nonstop energy, and and what a perfect cross for, uh, for was it our opening goal? No, well, our opening goal. Um uh, for Joe to, to, to tap in and so uh, did you get to watch the game this weekend
3: I was on the road um, so I was listening to it on the radio so I couldn't really get the um, the full scope of that um, but yeah I mean it's it's just typical of uh, Andy Robinson and when Trent is it's the the new age soccer I mean back when we were playing in high school or back when we were playing at the start you know it's uh, <laughs> You weren't told to go you weren't told to get up uh, up the field like Andy Robinson. So, you know, the fact that he went and I think he had a hamstring problem in the Scottish national team squad. So he was out um versus Israel and then came back for Scotland. I was expecting him maybe obviously he got pushed in there because of injuries, but you know, Andy Robertson was like just dying to get forward because he may have been restricted in the Scottish Scottish national team um playing different position. so you know all it just feels weird when I was listening on the radio all I heard was you know those names over and over again so you know you could definitely see that he's a huge he's a huge component of what Liverpool are doing right now
1: absolutely um I I think he was playing more as a midfielder than he was defending at, at most of the time of the game um uh Joe Mike did you catch any of the game I know um a lot of games on this weekend but um, uh, i watched
2: highlights um and saw you know it just seemed from what you were texting and everything you seemed very pleased with how everything was playing and you know it's uh, to get time I, uh to a supporter
1: yeah it so i was thinking about how to how to come to this this podcast today and and recap for you guys and um, talk about like the lineup. Uh, there is, you know, we, we talked about it off air before uh, we hopped on and started recording, but just the, the injuries is it was a huge talking point before the match, uh, not just Liverpool, but you know, Leicester had some as well. Um, not as big and notable as Liverpool only because some of them are, you know, previous player of the years and, you know, things like that. Yeah, he's passed but, it. Yeah,
0: he's done uh, now. He's done. He might as well just retire. Fastest
1: prime. Um, but we, you know, we we did have two of our center backs out. We had Joel Matip as our only recognized center back, um, healthy. Um, we had two midfielders playing defense, and then we also had Salah, who was quarantined for testing positive for going to his brother's wedding. And you can make of that storyline as you will. But Henderson was out and. You now we we had some big, big names out, and and credit to Klopp. He, he's teaching and preaching a system of play at Liverpool that resonates through every single player, regardless who comes in, and and that's what I'm really loving about the squad right now because he can almost take any player from, it feels like, and, and I can't say this with certainty, but it feels like anyone from even the academy and put them into the team, and they'd be playing the same way. Um, You can see that with Curtis Jones. You can see that uh, with Nico Williams when he comes on. And um, it's just, it's really fun to watch. So um, my take on the game was that I didn't have a player of the game because everyone to me was about an eight or an 8.5. Really no one put a foot wrong, but there was no one that like stood out above and beyond. And I'm going to talk about for me now in a bit, but i thought everyone played just about a perfect game so i just loved the team game it was just it really really was fun to watch because they dominated from start to finish in a team that was somewhat called makeshift but they really played a liverpool style game they dominated they they put up some opportunities and and everyone played their part it was just a perfect team game well, that's the way I saw it at least. Um, and I was yeah, very I happy.
0: Caught, I caught some high, I caught the highlights. <clears throat> I wanted to rewatch it say before the podcast and they're, they're just so good. Like, it's like impressive to watch. Like, I, I, there's something about Robertson that like, I just like want him to get punched in the face. There's just like something about him that like gives me that vibe, but he is so good from the left side. His crosses are usually pinpoint. Um, like and, and what's really admirable about Liverpool is, like you kind of touched on it, Jeff, you can put any player in their squad. And they're like their 25, 30-man squad, their their B team, their academy. They could drop in any player in any position. And the system is the same across the board. And they every person knows how to play, knows the role and everything like that. It's just really impressive to watch. And um, to see someone like James Milner play like every position on the field at like 45 years old is like really really impressive and astounding and um like they just everyone was talking into the game that lester were gonna come in and give them a real strong game they're gonna potentially break this win streak that they're on but man they just they shut up shop for them like they didn't give them an ounce of uh space to play and they really dominated from start to finish it was It was a really good win against a team that's been quote unquote knocking on the door to get into that top four, top six, and it was that was a really good performance on Liverpool's part. It sucks to watch other teams play so well, but the uh, thing
3: that was interesting for me is that a bunch of those players were offered up for, you know, a lot of these, a lot of teams in the Premiership. You know, Andy Robinson played with Hull, Yoda Wolves, Mane, Southampton, Milners played all over the league, like. And, and just to see what Klopp has done with players that have been in the league that, you know, any given day, anyone could have bought Yoda. Uh, you know, so the fact that that's in the system and, and we went out with that lineup and, you know, it, it, it was just a dominant performance and all the talk was about Vardy and, and is he going to be able to break down for uh, Fabinho and Mati. But, you know, it, it, it was nice to see It was nice to see, yeah, nice to see um, them put in that performance with the lineup we put out.
1: Yeah, Jota, it's funny because he was he was a bench player for, you know, coming off the bench uh, yeah. from the Wolves for the second half of the last season. So it was like, I don't know about you guys, but when I saw it, I, I think we talked about it on the pod. It was like, well, these guys know something better than I do, so let's trust them because um, that one was an eye-raiser when you saw they were balking at 20-some-odd million for uh, Alcantara, and then they splashed 40-something for Jota. Uh, <laughs> so – you know hats off to them they get it you know Michael Edwards has got to get um, more and more plaudits uh, as we go along and to find these players and just f- that fit with Klopp and, and the club so I, I second that motion there I mean you know what's like ridiculous
2: I go, I go. you still like Tiago hasn't even really played <laughs> I know <laughs> so when he does come back it you know he can make you play different he can let you, you know, the way he keeps the ball and the way he moves it is something that can allow more runs in behind and, you know, just control a match even more. And so how much do you think, like how much confidence comes into play with Liverpool? Cause I feel like, you know, back in the day with when Arsenal were flying high, you already won the match in the tunnel and coming out, like all it was just a formality that you're going to win. Uh, and that's kind of, the way that Liverpool feels right now, like a team is going to win and they're going to win. And, you know, it's just a matter of time. Like even if Liverpool gets scored on, they're just going to score two or they're going to score three and they don't, nothing changes in the way that they play. And it's, you know, it's fun to watch um, when the opportunities there is, you know, they, they have a set where they're going to play and they're going to go do that and if you can beat them more power to you but teams aren't beating them and even when they can rotate a squad and even when they have to play van dyke who's past it like those things you know you know it's every club is looking for that and liverpool have it right now and they're flying
3: high
1: yeah i think we touched upon in the west ham game um when they went down early I, I, t- I mentioned, yeah, it didn't feel like a big deal. Right? Cool, whatever. We're down to goal, but we're at Anfield and we're just gonna win. Um, but that didn't always happen. I remember coming on and and becoming a Liverpool fan. I, I didn't start as early as you, Andrew. Um, you know, in my little little skimpies as a as a little little a little wee one, as they would say. But I. I remember coming in and it was right after Liverpool won, I think champions league um, in Istanbul. And I didn't even know about that, but then they, they were on a decline and I was watching this Liverpool team that was just mediocre. And you could, and Klopp said it too. He's like, I, when he came in and people started leaving the game early because that Liverpool were down a goal, he says, I, I've never felt so alone. Uh, and that was the mentality of Liverpool. And, and he came in and he seems like he's done a lot of work to try to fix that culture. And, and Arteta, you know, to his credit seems to recognize that at Arsenal um, seems like he's trying to fix that, but there, there's a lot going on there as well that needs fixing. And, and it took Klopp, what, three years?
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, his, his personality was... is infectious though. I mean, uh I mean, how many managers are you excited to hear their post-match uh, press conference? You know, he, everybody loves his. You know, Marteta right now is just trying to find his groove as a manager, um, where Klopp is very secure with his background, very secure what he's done, um, and it's really, uh, it's really, really cool for me to see is just that how he's, uh, you know. Made as this legend in the game um, when there's been so many legends that have played at Liverpool or managed there. Um, and I think that's what Arsenal's really, you know, fought, trying to find. And, you know, it's with the tie with Arteta, I, I think that he's, he may be the right guy and Mike may disagree, but I think that, you know, Arsene Wenger was such a hard uh, act to follow and just how he thought about the game and the youth and, Obviously, he, you know, he had a huge French influence. And if you look at France right now, they're flying too. So, you know, I think it's, it's going to take a while for Arteta. I think he's the right guy. But we saw the ups and downs with Brendan Rodgers and then moving on to Klopp. But when Klopp came over, we all were excited about that. Um, I don't know about you, Mike, but, I mean, were you excited when Arteta was named as manager coming from Man City? Or w- was there a bigger name out there that you wanted?
0: First of all, I'm just gonna. I feel like I'm getting a bad rap that I'm like 100% Arteta out here. I'm just, I'm just the only one on the podcast who's asking questions of our manager. That's what a fan does. That's what I'm doing. Um, uh, no, I I wanted Arteta, and I think I said it back when we first started the pod is that Arteta was always the guy. I just don't think he, the plan was to bring him in so early. I think like Emery was supposed to be the guy to get us stable and back into like a solid position maybe back in the Champions League and then Arteta would come in and just take us off um that was I think the plan but then Emery it was a dumpster fire with like his tenure and like it all went to hell really quickly and they had to kind of pull some strings to get Arteta in at that time and like it was, it's just a massive undertaking what he has to do there's a lot he has to fix and he did a very good job inside the first like six months. I mean, he had to deal with the pandemic, like on top of everything else a new manager has to deal with like in, and on top of it, he came out winning an FA Cup, the Community Shield, beat Liverpool, beat City, like beat Chelsea, all in the span of like a a month or so. So he is the guy. I'm just simply asking questions of my manager. You know, I, I just, I see things that are potential warning flags and I just I, I want him to succeed I just I'm, I just got some concerns that's all but I I, I didn't want anyone else I didn't think there's anyone else out there necessarily that I wanted in the club I mean Jose Mourinho was out there like putting his face in front of everybody I didn't really want him at our club he would have been a cancer he's gonna Tottenham's at the top of the league right now but they're probably gonna plummet in the next 12 to 18 months so I I, I want Arteta here. I just, you know, I've got some concerns in in terms of how the structure of the club is currently. You know, we're making steps in the right direction, but, you know, he's the guy, and I think he's the right guy at this point.
2: Yeah, and I I think... I hope... I really like Arteta, too. I like like how he came in, and he just, you know, it was his way, and, you know, get on board. I like that. We haven't had that in a while, and, you know, like, Arsene Wenger at the end of his tenure was very much you know didn't really hold the players accountable emery was the same way and arteta came in and like you need to do this or you won't be playing and
1: when doozy for example
2: right like so those things are those things are good i think you know he's it's still so early in his managerial career that i hope that this job isn't too big for him um I really like him. I like his style. I like the way at times we can play currently it's, it's not good. Um, but when we were playing really well and getting good results, it was because of the way we were playing. And I think that has a lot to do with him and his tactical awareness and, you know, seeing things and making things work. Um, but you know, he's, he's got to get it together and, you know, I don't think he's on the hot seat at all, but, Um, you know, I think things would be different if there were 60,000 fans, you know, on his back and on the player's back. I think, um, I think it would be a little bit different right now. So he might be able to coast right now without a lot of pressure because he's not having to deal with supporter abuse and, you know, bad passes when William is making a 10 yard pass to their players, you know, those players just have to run back and they don't get it. You know a constant groan and things that the Arsenal supporters have done in the past um, because the expectations are so high. Um, So I think I think with Arteta he just needs more time, um, but the results have to be there too um, at some point. You know a nil-nil with leads is not the worst result, but the way that it was played, we were lucky to not be have another Aston Villa on
1: our hands let's talk about that real quick so there, there's been some discussion on this pod between Mike and Joe about the lineup and this one screamed a Mike lineup it Sure um, did. <laughs> um, in the past we've seen Joe um, really kind of uh, grab on to that that more three five two or whatever you want to call it, yeah. a little bit more defensive because it set set you guys up um, for l- being less exposed. Um, maybe the center backs are the issue. Who knows? Uh, this one was more of a Mike lineup. We we got Pepe on. Hey, we'll get to that one in a minute. Uh, we got Pepe on the field for you, Mike. Um, we got uh, William Willian Noah got a bombing through the center who for the record
0: Julian is not part of my lineup but
1: (laughs) that is true but you did ask for a bombing through the middle and you got that so um I just I wanted to kind of note that difference and you know obviously there are things to talk about about the game specifically but huge lineup difference and and I'll say tactical difference Joe because you were talking about his tactical now and ability to to try to set up the game to to win based on his tactics so uh leads playing a pretty open style you know who cares who we're playing we're going to attack you so Arteta says hey let's go ahead and throw a, a 4-2-3-1 at you um so we know what went wrong but was there anything going wrong before the red card
0: <clears throat> yeah I mean a lot but <laughs> um right, so I'll, we'll talk about start with the lineup so I said it last, pod, like, yeah, I have been like waiting for us to progress the, the improvements up the field, but I did say a week ago that I don't think this is the right game for it due to the fact that we're coming off an international break. He's not going to have a lot of time with his with his team that he really wants to put on the field. So I was – I didn't really expect him to make that change this game, especially against Leeds. I think the way that we have been playing with like absorbing pressure and then looking to counter would have played really well against Leeds because they they play in such a way that they leave themselves open to counter and, and a lot of space to play with. So I was a bit surprised that we did switch formation. Um, and I kind of touched on it last pod that if you change the players, you kind of have to change the system. And I think that's what happened. Like he dropped Lacazette and if you're going to put a bonding through the middle, you have to change the system because a bombing doesn't play the way Lacazette does. And he doesn't hold up as well, or he doesn't play that way. So you kind of have to change that system. But um, I just don't know the right game for it. I think we probably should have just kind of stayed the course at this point. I think I mean, we'll touch on this later. Something I'll be interested in, in discussing, but Like, he should have stuck to his principles about, like, the way he wants to play, especially in times when, like, everyone's like, you have to change this, you have to change that. Like, he's been doing it for so long at this point, especially coming off an international break. He probably should have just stayed with what he was doing and then waited till he had a little bit more time to work with his first-team players. But that's kind of my take on the the starting lineup. Um, There's a lot wrong with the first half. I mean, we got – I think for the first, like, 20-ish minutes, we were fine. It was okay, but Leeds figured us out pretty quickly. And after, like, halfway through the first half, it was all Leeds for the rest of the game, pretty much. We were outshot, outpossessed. We didn't create nearly enough chances as they did. Um, we pretty much had weren't in the game at that point. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a lot wrong before that. I think we actually played – tremendously better with 10 men because um, that was the style that we probably should have been playing the entire time is sitting and releasing ourselves on the counterattack. But that created us the most chances in the second half. But like, I just didn't think this was the right game for that. And I think there's the way that we played within the four, two, three, one just wasn't good. And the players, I think have a lot of questions to answer in terms of their consistency and level. But uh, Joe, what did you think? So, I thought the lineup was
2: fine minus Willian. I think I think he doesn't need to be anywhere on an eighteen man roster for Arsenal right now. Um but I think he had to play because Sokka had three games for England and you know yep. he's just he's still young and he needs he needs rest and um so I think William had to play if he was available. Um and I just if if is going to play up top, then we have to have we have to play this formation, because Aubameyang, um, I don't know if he he's willing to be to hold up play and you know be a focal point um, and control the ball and bring people in. I don't think he's willing to do that. Um, he seems like someone who just wants to turn and run fast over the top, and which is a perfect spot out on the wing um, for me. And Lacazette playing that role where he was. Uh, but that's a different conversation i thought um you know willick i was really pleased with how willick played um i think he was him and pepe were the only two players in the attacking third who were trying to do anything um Miang was hanging out william was being william and hanging out and you know sabios and jaka they kind of play as defensive midfielders and we need sabios to be more than that um Jaka is fine playing back there, but Ceballos has to be that person to bring everyone in and he's not doing it right now. And we are absolutely struggling and, you know, without Leno and the posts, you know, it's a, we don't get a point. And, you know, we're, we're in, in a lot of hurt. So, you know, Leno saved us ourselves again and, you know, the post saved us and, you know, we just had, had a, a bad, a bad match. Um, And I, Pepe, I, he can't do that. Like that's not something that you can do. Um, And he has to be better than that, but leading up to it, you know, he was him and Willock. They were the two players that tried to do things didn't work but they tried. Willock was, you know, frustrated that he's not getting the ball when he's in space. He's, you know, dragging the team forward um, with his motions and his movement. And, you know, is his end product great? No. Um, Is he the future of in that role? I hope not. But at this point, you know, he's someone who's at least trying and we need, we need that. And we just need people to score goals. And he's at least trying to get us in that spot. But, you know, is, Pe- is Pepe, is that a three-match ban now with the yeah. violent conduct? <sighs> so it looks like we got William for the next three freaking
0: matches. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, we've been calling for Pepe for so long, and then he gets his opportunity, and then, like, he just loses his cool. They've shown clips like him and Aliaski were going at it for, like, the entire first half, and it just kind of hit, like, a boiling point at that, at that marking. You just can't do that. That's just – you cannot lose your temper and cool in the middle of a game like that. And, like, like, I do agree with you. Willick, Nelson, Pepe, I think we need more, like, runners on the field. Um, Willick's ability to turn and get, like, running into space like that is something that we don't really have at this point. Our buildup is so slow that we need players like Pepe, like Willick, that dive into space and, and go at defenders. And it's just, like, we really need to move away from, like, Jaka and players like that that really just kind of progress us in a very slow, slow fashion. Um, so moving on real quick, I just want to touch on the fact that, like, Joe, what are your thoughts? I mean, you guys can even jump in on this as well, like, related to maybe Liverpool or other, other clubs and such, but do you feel that um, Arteta's post game? Comments about Pepe are kind of. Is he like feeling pressure? Is that that? Is he like have an inconsistent like treatment towards players? Because he, he made the comment that Pepe let the team down. Like you could tell how pissed he was in that post match interview. Like he was not happy and he, he could barely muster words to talk about it. And he pretty much threw him under the bus. And to say it like outright like that, that he let the team down after Willian is constantly garbage. Uh, Luis has given up red cards and penalty kicks and lost those games. Mustafi is the same way. Um, and they're fine. Like, they're starting. They they have no issue getting into the starting lineup. But Pepe has one run out. Obviously, this is a bad mistake. But, I mean, like, he just – he. it's pretty obvious that he doesn't like him. But, I mean, it seems like it's a little unfair. They just threw him right under the bus. Kind of like, told you so. I didn't like him. This is why. Can we move on kind of thing? What are your thoughts on that? I I think heat of the moment maybe
2: in that, but, you know, he's a professional and he can't make that. He did let the team down. Um, He did put us in even more pressure. Um, But, you know, he's he's calling him out and, you know, hopefully when his three-game suspension is up, he gives him another shot because if he doesn't then we're in a a lot of hurt um but you know i think it it seemed he seemed very frustrated with everything and that was kind of the tipping point and his frustration and that was an easy target
3: yeah i'd like to just a little on that is um for me i think that that's a contrast in how the team is doing right um you know, those scenarios can be played out differently. I honestly take that as he believes that this young player has potential and he needs to take responsibility for those actions so then he can grow in that program. Um, I can only relate to in the managerial of, you know, Steven Jarrett for Rangers and Klopp for Liverpool that, you know, those ha- he's still a young, young enough player that he could be the future Arsenal. Um, so I think he's putting a lot of that responsibility on him but also telling the Arsenal fans he's still – immature he needs to learn um you know if Klopp was in that scenario would he you know would he have the same post match or would he deflect away and and you know it's different for every player and every manager but for me what he did obviously was not you know it was a retaliation and you know someone found that he they can get under his skin but he needs to learn and grow and, and especially in a, if Arsenal's winning every game you know you as Arsenal fans are going no he'll it's immature and we can move on but now where there's, you know, you're sitting in the middle of the table, I think it's more important that he does not do that stuff again.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I just, you know, I, it could be a topic for another pod. I just feel like it could have handled that, like maybe kept that in-house a little bit and then like talk to him after the game. But I, at the end of the day, Pepe can't do that. I mean, he's got to have a cooler head than that. Um, but at the end of the day, we were just not the best team uh, again for many games in a row, and we're just – we're stagnant right now. we got to find our way out. Um, last thing I'll say is in relation to the beer I'm drinking, um, Jeff kind of opened the door as far as uh, explicit language. So here it goes. Um, <laughs> the beer I chose this week is uh, from Short Fuse Brewery. Um, it's it's part of their uh, For Goodness Shakes uh, collection. It's a milkshake IPA, which is uh, something I'm very into. It's a peach coconut milkshake IPA. Um, this was For Goodness Shakes is a, a much nicer way of how i felt during the arsenal game basically for fuck's sake like what is going on with the club what's going on with this game like that's that's where i was and uh this is just a nicer way to say it for goodness shakes so um that was kind of my reasoning for this one big fan of short fuse um sorry for all you uh pg-13 listeners out there but uh arsenal is very frustrating at the moment so this is kind of where i'm at headspace wise but Shout out to Short Fuse. Uh, keep making some very quality beers. Um, I'll stop complaining about Arteta and Liverpool. But uh, you know, Joe, what uh, what do you have for uh, for drinks this week?
2: Well, I went with uh, a Virgil's Zero Sugar Root Beer. Uh, it says it's root beer, but it does not taste like root beer. Um, just like the name and the badge is Arsenal, but they are not playing like Arsenal right now. So hopefully things get turned around. And I I would not get this one again. So uh, so we will I, not tag
1: I, them on our Twitter feed. Uh, no, I, I, we don't, they
2: might not need it. They, uh, If you're looking for something that doesn't taste great, get a, get yourself a Virgil's Zero Sugar Root
1: Beer. All right. Well, we're not going to be looking for them for a little bit of uh, promotional money. This no. going our way. i be okay uh, so, you, that. so you guys didn't exactly love the performance against Leeds. Um, even before the break, you guys weren't in love with the play. Uh, you got Molda coming up, Mold Mold Day Molda. Uh, 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 either way, you got Europe coming up. Um, kids playing uh, mix, uh, starting you know the first eleven. What what what's the lineup looking like this this time around? It, it seems like
0: we have like two separate lineups. Like we have like a Premier League lineup and the Europa League lineup. I think the Europa League lineup, especially in the group stage, is going to be a lot of the kids. I mean. It'll be pretty similar to what we saw last time at home against Molda with uh, probably Willick, Nelson. We'll see if Pepe plays. It would be interesting to see if he doesn't. I think there'll be a an interesting call because he's eligible for the Europa League if the band is for the Premier League. So um, we'll probably see maybe like Cedric and Mustafi in that, that lineup. So there'll be a lot of younger players, players that aren't necessarily getting time in the first team in the Premier League, but it should be a game that we win. I think we're good enough to kind of cruise through the the group stage at this point. I think if we get one more win, we're guaranteed advancement through. So um, I don't see any issues with Molda, but, you know, we'll see as far as, you know, consistency levels keep up.
1: Very good. Uh, Andrew, how do you see uh, Jurgen lining up uh, against Atlanta uh, tomorrow afternoon?
0: Andrew, before you answer, I feel like I speak for the podcast and every female out that's listening here is, Drop a, drop some Scottish accent on us, man! Like, <laughs> give us some sexy factor here. Come on, give it to us.
3: Well, I think uh, Jorgen's got a lot of, um, a lot of injury problems, so I think we'll see a very young lineup.
0: Um, wow, I think our viewership <laughs> doubled right there.
3: <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I think we're. It's going to be strange of me saying this, but I think our full lineup um, is going to be Jota is built around him. Um, I'd love to see the young kids get uh, a run out. But, you know, the thing is, is with these injury programs and and Jorgen's been very (laughs) uh, vocal about how he feels about the run-ins of games. um, I think he's going to use this as an opportunity to kind of get, you know, a bunch of those young kids out, especially with the record that we have in Champions League. So, yeah, I think think you'll you'll see some surprises in the lineup, but, um, you know, we can't keep losing defenders, so. Uh, I don't know how much that's going to play. Was, I don't know if it was strange for you seeing Milner on the right, but, um, you know, I think that his lineup choice is going to really reflect, you know, what we're doing in the Premier League just now.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think Jones is going to keep his spot. I think um, Williams might come in and uh, Nico might come in. I think Fabino and Matip probably keep their spot. Um, Robertson, I'd love to see him get a break, but I don't know if Costas is ready. You know, fully fit. Um, I know that I could almost guarantee that Salah is going to play since he's had a nice long break, yeah. and um, you know, probably keep the Firmino train going since he <laughs> not only scored but missed a goal by what a millimeter. Yeah. Um. The 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 closest goal to be called no goal in Premier League history. Um. And the midfield should be interesting because I know uh Tiago's close but I don't think he's quite ready Wynaldum's have played a, a shit ton of games lately and uh, so th- I think the midfield is going to be interesting um Henderson is still out so I think it's going to be fun and um I'd love to see more of the kids in Minamino I, I I love that guy I just wish that he can just put a good game together in the league because he's played a good what Carling Cup game yeah, um, but he hasn't really put a good Premier League or Champions League game in for Liverpool yet. So that would be nice to see because I love that little guy. I love him. And he just hasn't hasn't quite lived up to it yet.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't <laughs> would be surprised if you see um, Origi starting up there neither, um, just to give a little fresh rotation to it with Bobby. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is that the talk has been that uh, Firmino hasn't been scoring. He got his goal and he played, you know, he played well. He's he's not a traditional number nine. He's more of a false number nine for us, um, which, you know, used to be a 10. Um, but, you know, I think that now he's got a goal under his belt. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Bobby getting a couple in, in the next couple of games too. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he goes with. Yeah, I agree. Firmino, you
1: know, he scored the game-winning goal for Brazil. Uh, he comes back and then scores the first game for Liverpool. So, I, I hope that his duck is... What's that phrase? Uh, he's got his duck. Um, uh, anyway. Oh, <laughs> his duck's in line? <laughs> anyway. Um, I have heard that know, one yeah, there's, there's something about the duck. Uh, I'll get it for the next pod. I'll write that one down. <laughs> um, but that should be fun to watch. And um, <clears throat> And anyway, let's let's talk about some real real sports here. Uh, We got the the pickums. How are we doing on the pickums?
2: Tell you where Joe's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's not doing. I just (laughs) I can't figure it out. That's fine. That's that's
1: can't figure out the pickums. All right, so. Uh, if you guys, anyone listening, want to know what to put money on uh, for any bets, just go ahead and ask Joe, and just yep. go ahead and do the opposite. Because I'll make the been, pick.
2: You guys pick the opposite, and you're welcome.
1: Uh, yeah, we do have uh, quite a difference in top to bottom there. Uh, looks like I'm I mean, leading. Uh, I think I'm like 14
2: games back, maybe.
1: You are quite yeah. a bit. I think I can go ahead and skip the next couple of weeks and still you be could. beating you.
2: Yes, you could. It's uh,
1: just
0: we pick the same results every time. So we're just gonna stay this length apart. It sucks because we're both picking them all right and Joe's picking them all wrong. He's falling away, but we're just staying stagnant. I think hey, that's, that's
1: called strategy, Mike. Yeah, um I'm strategy, not sure. You have, have your fun
2: with this. <laughs>
1: uh the 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 fantasy is a little closer. We got a what a forty point gap there from top to bottom. Joe is still in first. I'm sneaking up. I'm but, coming back. Mike's in last, but not by a ton. And, and I've been hopping in between first and second. So yeah. we, we got ourselves a little nail biter here in the fantasy standings. So that's fun. We're going to keep an eye on that going forward. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. It's good so, fun. It's,
0: it was a was, uh, try to talk a little less today. We try to let Jeff have his, his uh, day in the spotlight with uh, Andrew and Get all the Liverpool talk out there because he's always outnumbered. So we tried to sit back a little bit and let Jeff, you know, take control and have a good time and enjoy himself on this podcast instead of sitting in silence for a large part of it. Are we doing the quadruple
1: going forward? Is that
3: what I'm hearing?
0: Uh, I don't know. If we just keep having guests, this is going to be like a 19-person podcast.
3: <laughs> Depends if I can uh, pronounce the names right, and then we can, uh, you know, Yoda made a starting lineup for Liverpool, so yeah. force was strong not, yeah. with them,
1: and, and Robinson,
3: you know, who knew that there was an Andy Robinson on the team? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's just been a crazy time for Scottish football, so, you know, it's uh, saying that we're going to be in the Euros next year. And, and games are in Glasgow, already put in the lottery for the game. So, yeah, it's a little crazy there. But no, thanks for having me, guys. Um,
0: thanks for coming on, Andrew. Um, definitely love to have you back in, in the future. And uh, who knows, maybe this could turn into a quadruple one day. Who knows? That's the big word to pronounce, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but I uh, think that kind of covers everything for this week, and it's good uh, Hi, did... to to a close.
1: Mike, did we uh, cover all of our replies to our uh, Instagram account and our uh, Twitter feed? Thank you
0: for bringing that up. We um, still don't have any questions, so we're waiting for him out there. But we have a few mentions. Uh, We've got uh, some likes and some follows out there. um, The Instagram account has actually boosted our viewership, so I mean, that is a positive thing. We're getting some uh, some more worldwide international attention, so that's good. well, yeah, uh, I think we're getting a lot of good uh, vibes from supporting the local brewery. So, I mean, that's always a, that's always a positive. We support them. They support us. You know, it, it's people helping people. It's a beautiful thing.
3: You'll have half of Scotland listening to this podcast, so you'll get 14 new listeners. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> international on that, too. <laughs> we'll take How's your brother doing, Andrew? I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, he's doing well. He's uh, he's living the dream in, in Scotland being close to the football, but not allowed to get in. So, yeah, everybody's doing well, man. Thanks for asking. That seems to be coming back soon, though, from what yeah, I hear. They, they said, you know, what, England's a December 2nd start date. Um, Scotland pushed for, I think, the, the Boxing Day, so the 26th. Um, you know, everything's in rise, so I think we'll be kind of hoping that they'll do limited. Um, you know, but we're, we're irresponsible people. So, you know, you tell – a thousand people to go. There'll be ten thousand drunk guys outside. So, uh, so uh, I think the hardest like part is like Americans. All right. Yeah, the hardest part is figuring out who, who can get into the games. You know, Liverpool's got you know, uh, the wait list is like ten years for a season ticket. So, who who goes in? How many games did they get? You know, so I think it'll be interesting, man. Yeah, it'll be a, not a good problem to have, but at least getting some yeah. people back in. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, we all want to see uh, Soldier Field filled up, right? Twenty twenty one.
0: Joe won't be there because he's not getting season tickets. Yeah, twenty five dollars <laughs> to
3: hold your spot right now. I have been getting emails.
2: <laughs> I'm good with ESPN plus.
0: <laughs> well, that seems like a good place to to come to a close. Um, Andrew, thank you again. A uh, quick shout out to Short Fuse. Goose Island Scottish Ale and uh, maybe or maybe not Virgil's sugar free root beer. You can I shout him out. I mean, <laughs> the
2: pack, you can shout him out. Uh, he drank you it. Yeah, you don't have it's to like drink Andrew, it. It's not for it, me.
0: It might be for someone else. <laughs> uh, Andrew, what were you drinking tonight?
3: Uh, I had a church uh, street brew. Um, the reason I was drinking that was. I'm uh, praying that this good run of form for Scottish football and Rangers continues. So, um, yeah, that was a, it was a delicious, it was a hazy IPA. Um, so it was nice. Yeah. I, I, it was a combo of hops. So it was a nice explosion.
0: <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> um, yes. most well, shout out to church street brewery. Um, <clears throat> that's it for this week. Um, we will be back next week after the uh, European rounds in the Premier League um good luck to rangers and keeping that straight going scotland we look forward to seeing you at the euros woo woo um hit us up with your questions we're still waiting on you but i think i think we're gonna get a couple people keep listening i think we're gonna get a couple but um we'll see you guys uh, next week and uh, as always next round is on us cheers cheers, cheers.